Hey guys, welcome to Soul Cleanse. If you are craving something that you don't even know what you're feeling anymore, if you're craving a shift in your life, in your mind, in your body, this is where you're supposed to be. You were brought here for a reason. You were brought here to understand your patterns, to move through things, to shift things in your life, and to really learn the tools to bring you into your highest potential of who you are meant to be. Let's dive into all the uncomfortable conversations and the gifts that are going to bring you closer to you. Hello. Welcome, Soul Divers. Thank you guys for being here, always. It is Valentine's week. Mm. And that can be so amazing or so triggering or not giving a fuck. You know what? Completely honor all of those. But if it's bringing up something that you feel like you're lonely, maybe this gives you an opportunity to celebrate, celebrate you and do something for you. Changing the holiday around, and I know that might sound like so cliche, but really start taking care of yourself and celebrating you, celebrating you. So going out with friends, doing something with you, treating yourself. It's so important for us to to take care of ourselves and treat ourselves. So I have an incredible, incredible guest for you guys today. I have Shadeen Francis. She is a relationship sex therapist. My gosh. She's doing beautiful, beautiful, um, vulnerable work out there. You can find her on Instagram. She's growing there. You can find her on the app Mind, which is an incredible, incredible app there. there's It's all about um, self-care and mind work and psychology and just everything. So it's a, it's a beautiful app that I would definitely check out. And she's all over growing her beautiful presence out there. I'm going to share one of her um, quotes here. Your difficulty celebrating yourself may be a fear of being vulnerable. Yeah. With today, we, we dive into self, vulnerability, shame, orgasms, all different things um, that I think that are important to touch on. And of course, diving into some of her story and how she got, you know, brought into this beautiful career, this raw, beautiful career. So sending you guys so, so much love as you dive into your week, whatever you're going through, bringing you love into this episode and some, some real realizations and some truth bombs. And hope you guys enjoy. Shadeen, thank you so much for bringing your beautiful, beautiful presence on. I um, am so thankful and I love what you're doing out there and your light is truly, truly shining and being seen. So thank you. Thank you for being you and thank you for coming on. All right, guys, let's dive in to Shadeen. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, Soul Divers. Oh, we have a special treat for Valentine's week this week. My gosh. We're going to dive into uh, Shadeen Francis. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited to dig into you and everything. You are a sex and relationship 
therapist. And let me just tell you, like when I went onto your page and I saw your tagline and I have to repeat it right now because it's so good. Everyone wants to know how to feel, but let me remind you. No, everyone wants to know how to fuck, but let me remind you how to feel. I was like, oh my God. Like (laughs) (laughs) the juice and the importance in that. Seriously. So I, I, you know, just thank you for actually even putting that out there. So, um, you're welcome. <laughs> I want to, um, just welcome you here today. So just thank you for coming on and really tremendously for your presence. Uh, so how every, t- every time I have, have someone come on, I have everyone describe four words who they were emotionally before you got into your line of work. Ooh, that's a great question. (laughs) Okay, who I was emotionally before I got into work uh, or my line of work, I was angry. I was unsettled. Mm. I was... not quite an emotion but a word referring to something like restricted reserved withholding something in that space but the word isn't coming to me in this moment um yet I was still really excited Mm. I'm still a a pretty excitable person (laughs) How would you uh, describe four words of how you are now? Oh, um, I am serene. I am curious, content, mm. um, and I am. Like the fourth one always has to be a good one. Um, I am. This is like not supposed to be like a difficult question, but I like didn't check in in the last several (laughs) hours, and I'm like, oh, how am I? Um, Playful. Playful. Okay. Yeah. Um. Also, before every time I have everyone come on, we set an intention. So have you close your eyes. Think about something that you would like to release today during the conversation. And if you're open to it, saying it out loud. It is my intention to use whatever expertise that I have in this moment to help bring your audiences closer to peace and pleasure. How did you, um, how did you get drawn into this beautiful, vulnerable work? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because even though like this is the question, it's also, I like never expected, even though it's literally the question, like everyone wants to know. Like, I didn't want to ask you, but I was like, it's important to <laughs> no, ask. It's, no, it, it's important. I think the reason people want to know is because you don't run into many sex therapists like often, like we're yeah. out here in the world, but right. You know, it's, it's sort of like we all just like put on our cloaks and just like, you know, and try and blend in. 
um but like if I was like an actuary you wouldn't be like and that's no shit in actuaries but it's like if I was like an actuary you wouldn't be like well what made you want to be an actuary or like if I was a doctor you'd be like yeah of course you want to be a doctor right so I, (laughs) I got into this line of work as like a backup plan for my backup plan um so my original plan was to join the X-Men. I'm pretty transparent about that. It's like very on brand um, as you get to know me. Uh, so my, origin- my original plan was to join the X-Men. I was a kid who had really deep and big feelings, didn't really know sort of where to go with them or what to do with them. But especially because I, I carried so many feelings myself I could see them on other people and I could recognize them. And I just noticed how much pain there was Mm. in the world. And Mm -hmm. I just felt like, well, maybe if someone could do something about the hurt, then the world would be better. Um, And so the only thing I, the only representation that I had of like people working together to like fix things was the X-Men. And I know that like now as I get older, there's like all sorts of like race and class struggles. And like, I'm like, okay, it's much deeper than I thought it was. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But but a much bigger job than I thought. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We're still still working on it. (laughs) But at, at the time, what I saw was all of these people coming together to like fight injustice, even as they were misunderstood. And I felt very misunderstood as a kid and so I thought okay like obviously I'm a mutant and what I need to do is like wait for my powers to manifest so that the other mutants will come and find me and then I'm mm. going to go to school because I was incredibly nerdy so I'm like yeah I'm going to like go to Professor Xavier's school and just like train until it's like ready to like go to work <laughs> very, <laughs> very pragmatic right um except then I was like getting older and like none of my powers were manifesting and I was working very hard I promise you Dylan I was working so hard I was like reading all kinds of books I was like trying to discover like maybe maybe it's telekinesis and I was like trying to like learn quantum theory to see if like okay is teleportation real I was I was really really serious about this mission my dad's an engineer so he just humored me and just like gave me science textbooks (laughs) kept me inside like reading so you know it was good for them too but I reached a certain point I'm like shit what if I'm a normie like what if I'm not a mutant what if I'm just odd (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute and and I know this is turning into a long-winded story but my original plan my original backup plan was to join the circus because okay like that's where other you know odd people go and if it turns out I actually am a mutant that would be a good place for me to like work on my like flexibility and agility and like speed so I became an acrobat um and then I had a pretty wicked injury and I'm like oh fuck I'm screwed um and happened to at the same time um find the work of um, Dr. Sue Johansson who's like a nurse practitioner in like greater Toronto area, total badass used to like do like covert sex ed for like Catholic schoolgirls, mm. um, like getting them connected to like birth control and giving them information on STIs. And I found her work. I had no idea what it was. I was super young, and it was one of those situations where you have a babysitter that like isn't really paying attention, and so you like stay up late and watch all the shit you're not allowed to watch. That is a true story. Head and the Simpsons and all of that. Um, Right, so I see her show, she's waving around this like big purple dildo and she's taking listener calls and someone calls in and says, I don't have a question. I just wanted to say, your, like, thank you for your work. You saved my life. 
And so the intersection of those moments, like me having this like existential crisis about how I can be useful in the world if I'm just going to be like a regular person. And then hearing someone call in to this like little old lady waving like a penis in the air and talking about anal sex, like to have someone like call in at that moment and say, you saved my life. I tell this joke often, but like if if I were to be watching like the great Canadian bake off or something and someone said like this cupcake saved my life, I promise you I would be I would be a baker. I would have like a deli somewhere just like making loaves. <laughs> but this is but this is this what do you is do if the cupcake has a dildo on it though? What do you choose I mean, then? I mean, how could you compete with that? Like, what would be the point of, like, how could we have any problems left? So true. In, in that world. But I don't know if we're quite there yet, <laughs> but we're working on it. And, but yeah, that's, that's how I got into this, you know, really deep, meaningful spiritual work. It really was out of a place of like personal crisis intersecting with a, a, a bigger purpose and a well-timed opportunity. And so I really did organize the rest of my life around how do I deeply understand people so that I can find ways to help them navigate their own personal route into pleasure mm. so that we can live in a way that doesn't feel so hard. Yeah. Yes. How, who needs a sex therapist and what do you do? I'm biased. <laughs> I'm like trying to create my own market here, but uh, yeah. So <laughs> What does, what does a sex therapist do? So lots of things. So to clarify what a sex therapist is, a sex therapist is a licensed mental health professional. So they are a licensed clinician. So therapist, psychologist, um, counselor, social worker, who gets explicit and specific training in sexuality education. So it's a really long or can be a long journey, right? You go through you know, your undergraduate degree, you get your master's degree in some form of clinical work. You then have to go through the process of getting licensed in your state or province. And somewhere in that journey, you have to have X number of hours and then go through a process of further certification. So you know, it's, it, right, like when someone is a sex therapist, um, a certified sex therapist, like you go through a lot to make sure that you are qualified um, to be supporting people because there's a lot that goes into it. It is fun work. Um, I get to do a lot of fun stuff, right? So helping people who just want to like have spicier sex, mm -hmm. right? Helping people, you know, figure out their orientation, helping people clarify their fantasies, helping people better negotiate, um, and also it's a lot of trauma work. Yeah. So even if it's not explicitly like sexual trauma, we've all come into things like shame and mm -hmm. repression, right? When I'm doing a lot of stuff around like pleasure and arousal, folks are really having to grapple with their own relationship to their bodies, right? Sometimes that includes like dysphoria or self-hatred. It might yeah. be unlearning societal shame. It might be around like racism or sexism messages that we get around what we do or don't deserve. Um, it, sometimes I'm working with couples and it's an affair or a series of affairs. It's people coming out. It's people... Mm you know, transitioning or changing, right? Or coming into or discovering. And you are so a superhero. <laughs> thank you. It's, <laughs> it's beautiful work. It's powerful work. It's meaningful work. It can be fun and light. It can be deep and heavy. All puns intended. If you heard them, 
Um, and so just acknowledging that, you know, and it's a really wide range of um, access for folks that there are, there's a lot of conversations that you can get into when it comes to sex. Yeah. Uh, because sex touches so many parts of our lives, whether or not you are interested in actually having sex. Um, because my, my perspective on sex is sex is about sensory pleasure. And so there's just so much room in that uh, for, for folks to get support. Hmm. What, um, what age did you start getting interested in sex? Mm. Well, I decided I was going to be a sex therapist the summer before the seventh grade. I really had no idea. Again, I saw that episode, right? You know, you saved my life. I saw that and I was what, maybe 11 or 12 or something. I had no idea what it was, but I was like, okay, well, this is obviously important. Uh, and I'm too young to know what it is now, but like, I'll just learn as we go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, you know, I would sort of mark that, you know, as like the formal, if you can call, you know, elementary school formal. Um, but that really was the start, you know, of my professional trajectory. What about like, in general sex? Oh, I mean, I feel like I don't know at what point it became like an interest that I was aware of mm -hmm. or that I would call, but I think I've always been a person who has really been organized around feeling good. Yeah. Right? And so I, I don't know if I can, if I could time stamp that. I think, you know, the, the point in time at which I recognized that my body can feel good I think that I started sort for of the start. Interest. I'm and for second grade is when I started like getting like feelings in my body. I was like, what is happening here? Like yeah. there's certain things, but yeah. I started mean, exploring you know, we, sex when I was 12. Right. And we we know for anyone who you know has children, you know, has been around children, right? We know that like children explore their bodies, and mm -hmm. even though it's not explicitly sexual, it's about pleasure, right? We can see that in like toddlers and babies. Yeah. Right. And so that's not, you know, about sex as we sort of colloquially use the term, right? But if it's about pleasure, then like all of us are sexual beings kind of always, right? We know that, you know, in utero, right? That right. babies touch their genitals. So, you know, there's just room for us to, you know, claim it at any point in time. I don't think I was, you know, conscious of it until my teenage years like it, it wasn't sexual until my teenage years you know the exploration of pleasure and what feels good um, but I think I've always had that relationship to you know deciding that it was important for me to feel good mm -hmm. mm. <laughs> what was it talked about in, in family no 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 I'm Caribbean so mm. right I'm Caribbean and I, and I grew up in the church so if it was talked about, it wasn't going to be like a conversation about like, oh yeah, like exploit your pleasure. It's like either go read a book right, or like pray about it. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Um, when did the birthplace of uh, vulnerability come into your life? Mm. You touched yeah, on that a lot. Yeah. Vulnerability um, was really tough for me. Uh, because I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of models for it. Um, I come from a legacy of incredibly, 
you know, capable and powerful people. Um, and I respect and admire that a lot. You know, I am a child of immigrants who are the children of immigrants. Um, and so there is a lot that you gain in terms of resilience. Um, but I think something that maybe we lost or maybe, I don't know, I, you know, I, I've, I've wrestled with this over the years, but I definitely think that at this point, we got the best of what they had to offer. Um, but what they didn't have that I needed for the life that I was living um, was more of that vulnerability, right? Was more space um, kind of fall apart. Mm. Uh, you know, my, my parents were quick to put it back together. My parents were quick to, to fix it and not fix, not just fix it on my behalf, but teach me how to fix it. Okay. Right. So my, my parents were, were pretty quick to teach me, you know, I, I was supposed to be the last one and then convince my parents to have another kid. Um, and if my brother ever hears this podcast, you're welcome. Um, but I was right. I, you know, I, I have an older sister and so it was two girls. And so I was sort of raised with a lot of like the traditional, like air quotes, boy values. Um, you know, so rather than like boys don't cry, I got like a Francis doesn't cry, right? I was like a tough kid and I would like play soccer and get like yellow carded all the time because I was so fucking rough. Um, like like wrestling and climbing trees. Like I loved frilly dresses and like shiny shoes, but like, you know, I, I, re I really felt very powerful all of the time. Um, but what that also meant was that I didn't actually have much tenderness. I wasn't very tender. You know, I was, I was sweet and I was cute, but I wasn't, I wasn't tender. I wasn't tender with other people and I wasn't tender with myself. And there wasn't a lot of spaciousness for like sadness or crying or fear. Um, we were, we were all very quick to move beyond that, you know, move through that silence, that shut that down. Um, you know, you get like a good minute of crying um, and then everyone was sort of over it. Um, oh, wow. Right. And so, you know, vulnerability did not start early for me. Vulnerability actually had to be like an active practice. Vulnerability actually took a ton of work. I had to work really hard um, to gain access to my tenderness because I, I had become so hardened around it. Um, and so I really think that I discovered it on purpose um, because I learned that I needed it because I was struggling. I was really struggling um, by the time I got to undergrad. And truthfully, I, I only did the undergraduate program that I did. I have an undergraduate degree in neuroscience. I did it to learn how we can like stop feeling unpleasant emotions. I literally wanted to like understand how the brain worked because I was going to liberate us from unpleasant feelings. I was like, I'm just, I'm gonna research this and I'm gonna figure it out. And that's how I'm gonna like help people's lives be better. Um, right. Wow. Remembering that this was a kid who like saw a lot of pain in the world and saw how, you know, how much people felt. Um, so I figured, okay, well, I want to understand how people think and understand how people feel. And if I can just help them not feel unpleasant things, then I will have resolved the problem. <laughs> so seemed, sweet. <laughs> it seemed really straightforward. <laughs> um, and then somewhere through the middle, I was like, oh, fuck, we need these to survive. <laughs> We do. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized like, oh shit, like I want to become a therapist after this. And like, I don't know how to be present to sadness. 
Mm. Right. Like I would just redirect my sadness through either anger or I just bottle it up until I had like an anxiety attack. And then I would just like go through it and just be over it. Like, okay, we're done. <laughs> Good, got it out. <laughs> I, I would like schedule them. I'd be like, well, seems like a decent time for a meltdown. And I'd go in my room and just like lay on the floor and just like weep hysterically and f- pass out and then like wake up and go back to my life. <laughs> right. But that, that wasn't going to be successful as a therapist, I figured. <laughs> Uh, and so I, and, and so, you know, I, I had to work, I had to work really hard um, for vulnerability. I had to work really hard, allowing myself to be present to how it feels sometimes to feel your feelings and how terrifying it is to name them. Um, and especially in front of other people who could do horrible things like reject them or misunderstand you yeah. or use them um, for harm. Um, but, but it, and it is an ongoing process. So I don't want to pretend like, oh, I did that work and, and here I am, right? We're talking over a decade later and I'm still fighting for vulnerability. I think for any of us who recognize, you know, the value of tenderness in a hard world, it is a fight to protect tenderness. And I don't mean protect people against you know, impacting you, I literally mean like fighting against the, the pull to harden with the world, Completely. to remain tender. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I want to dive into the self-talk with um, the view on our bodies. Yeah. Like building a self-talk relationship with our bodies. Um, how is the relationship with you and yours. Mm. Yeah, we're cool. Me and my body are, are cool. You know, every, every, every now and then, you know, I'll slip up and say something slick and be unkind. And she's real quick to remind me, like, you need me. <laughs> so don't, don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who you think you are. I love you, but like, <laughs> she's got some (laughs) oh yeah she's got some sass I definitely have the sort of body that like if I'm not kind to her she's like let me just remind you (laughs) (laughs) what this is like (laughs) right so like I definitely have a body that you know if I if I don't treat her well like she's patient with me but she she will snap back she will snap back so if I don't give her enough sleep if I don't give her enough attention if I I'm unkind with my words or even my look because I can have some salty gazes. Um, I feel it. I literally feel the difference in my body. I literally feel the difference in my body. I love to box. It's a form of play for me. And like, if I've been like unkind to my body, I can just feel like she's not going to give me the energy that I need. I'll like go so get true. through all of my rounds. Like if I'm not like paying attention to needs for like movement or sleep or touch like I'll feel ill I'll feel unwell I'll feel fatigued I'm a person that has a long relationship with physical pain you know and Mm. I notice that when I layer on unkindness or when I push too hard when I don't respect consent right when my body says no I I will I 
right? This is, this is, you know, the fairest relationship, right? That she will hold me accountable. (laughs) She will will hold, she will hold me accountable, right? I have to treat her well and she will also treat me well. She's not going to take my bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you definitely vibrate you have a glow with you. So <laughs> you can tell that you, you take care. You can take I care do. of her. I, yeah. I try. I try. It's really easy for me not to, because I also care a lot about, about people. Um, and so it's really easy for me to overextend, right? People please. Yes. Right. And, and that is usually at a detriment to my own wellness so so that's a that's a constant practice i think part of the practice of vulnerability is a a practice of attention and then intention right and so i'm easily just i'm very easily distracted um because i you know i I am inspired by a lot of things and so it's a constant practice of presence and paying attention what what do i need what do i need what do i need what do i need that would be probably, there's so many things I want to dive into. And then we get into something mm. and I'm like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so you feel it. <laughs> mm-hmm. What, like giving, you know, tips on someone that really for, for their body, like building a relationship with their body. Like I can give my own tips, but I would really love your insights on that. Mm. Sorry. The question is um, about tips for how to be in better relationship with your body. Yes. Yeah. Um, because my world is biased by relationships, I invite you, um, whoever is listening and, and wanting the answer to this question, uh, to consider what a good relationship feels like to you. Right? I, I think we have a lot of wisdom, and I can't pretend that my relationship to my body is going to magically translate to the relationship that you need to have with your body, um, because we might we might mm-hmm. thrive in different kinds of relationships. But I, I want you to trust some of your inner wisdom, what would it look like? What would it be like? What would it feel like? What would need to happen for someone to be in a good relationship with you, right? For the relationship that you have, that you love, that you covet, you know, the relationship that you want to create and are working on, what does that look like? And the question I will ask, you know, to sum that all up, right, is do you do that for you? Whatever it is that you're wanting to receive in the world from others to know that you are loved, that you are valued, that you are respected, that you are seen, that you are cared for, that you are understood, that you are important and valuable, do you do that for you? Right? And it doesn't matter if the answer is yes or no, the practice is to, to do it, to yeah. try it. And if there's support that you need, you know, working through whatever the barriers might be, I encourage you and give you permission hmm. to have that in whatever way it's possible. When you talk, it's almost like this, like flow, you know, that? <laughs> it just like goes and you're like, I'm going on this like little ride with you. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like close my eyes. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. It's really beautiful. It's art. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to also touch on, um, the importance of like self-love intimacy, Mm -hmm. like actually being, having that relationship with yourself, because there's a lot of shame, a lot of shame in that and not having 
I mean, I'll share a little bit on me. Like it used to be so hard for me to actually touch my own self because I was like, Mm -hmm. I'd rather connect with a partner than actually Mm -hmm. touch with my own. But it was so hard for me to be with me and love me. So I want to talk on like the importance of that because a lot of people that I've talked to, they're like, I wouldn't do that. That's gross. Or there's some people that's like, I've been doing that for so long, but Mm -hmm. I think it's important to touch on. Yeah. And you, you mentioned shame. So I'll name here that shame is a a hijacking of our survival wiring in the brain, right? That we have two primary goals. Our first is to survive, right? Stay alive. Mm -hmm. The second is to connect. And so the way shame operates on the body is that it puts threat to our primary goal of connecting I think about what it's like don't drop into shame but think about what it's like to feel shame we start to wonder am I worth it do I deserve will anybody want me can I show up here is there space for me right there's threat to connection and we need that we want it so desperately we are wired for connection Um, and so shame is just so incredibly painful and it's also super prevalent Mm. Right, that unfortunately so much of our messaging is through shame because it's convincing since it's such a core drive since it's such a core need we are very motivated to make change to make behavioral change even if it doesn't serve us in the long run right that we are very motivated to move out of that risk so it's really important for us to do what we can where we can to counter those messages for us to continue to connect to our inherent worth and value, right? For us to notice what the messages are and where they came from, because we learn to shame, right? So if you've ever met a baby ever, like those creatures are wildly shameless. Yes. (laughs) Right. And then we teach them to be ashamed. Yeah. Right. And think of how, right. Like part, like every time I say that, anytime I say that just a little bit of my heart breaks, Right. Just think about these, you know, beings, these beautiful, tender, vulnerable, honest, yeah. right. Living, breathing creatures that have so much worth and value, so much infinite potential. And then we teach them mm. shame and we don't teach it to be cruel or malicious. Most of us, as we love on these small humans, or we teach it because we want to keep them safe. We want them to have an internal wiring, right? To be one responsible and accountable to other people, but it it's too much for us to actually bear well. And so for us to just check in on the messages that we've received around shame, Right? Like, where did I learn this? Who taught me this? Do I believe this? Is it worth me carrying? Does it get in the way? Does Is it actually getting in the way of the kinds of connections I want? Mm. Right? And yeah. I think often shame will invite us to think that you have to love yourself before someone else can love you. Um, and so if that's part of your internal frame, I just want to offer a reframe that that's not actually true. People can love you whether or not you love yourself. Right. However, the way you receive love right, and how much love you will allow yourself to receive will be filtered by what you think you deserve. Right. It'll be really hard for you to receive love that you don't feel deserving of. 
And so your relationship to yourself does not have to start with like, I deeply love myself, but can you at least decide that you deserve to receive it, right? That if someone has decided with generosity to give it to you, right? Can you at least trust some of their judgment that they see value in you enough to share love with you, right? Enough to reflect love back to you, right? That, mm. and the, the, the more we allow ourselves to be in that deserving, the greater our capacity for love is. We all are lovable, we all are loved, and it's just up to us to decide how much love we are willing to accept. And the more we accept, the more we can give. How do we meet shame? Mm. Yeah, you know, Brene Brown talks a lot about this. And so her, her phrasing and phrasing, her framing and phrasing um, is going to be a lot more in this realm sophisticated than mine because it is kind of a core seat of, of her work. Yeah. The way that I understand shame and the way shame, you know, I confront shame in my work um, sort of walks along similar lines, you know, through that vein of courage. Brene Brown talked a lot about courage, and I want to, you know, sort of circle this back around to our conversation around vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. The courage to be vulnerable, because what vulnerability is, is a willingness to be impacted, an openness to be impacted, and there's no guarantees what that impact is going to be, whether it's going to be positive right, or not so positive, we don't have the scope or the timeline, right, when I'm going to stop feeling this or feel something different, or if it's, you know, too intense at the start, like, is it still going to be net positive at the end? Is it going to transform into something, right? So we don't like uncertainty, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) right? We want to be able to guarantee our survival and our opportunity for connection. Uh, And so it takes courage, right, to confront the things within ourselves that we are ashamed of and to allow ourselves to look at them and to dialogue with them and to find room for acceptance of them or to share them with other people so that they can find acceptance of them for us to prove that okay this is not worth being rejected over and sometimes it might be right it might be that okay you know this history or this story or this part of me this experience this characteristic means that there is incompatibility in my relationship Mm. right that someone might respond to a sharing that I have with non-resonance but it's the courage to to risk that yeah so to simplify that you know if that feels you know too heady which I can be sometimes what are you ashamed of Does anybody know about that? What do you think would happen if you shared it? Could you share it with? Maybe who might need to know, whatever that is. Can you risk that? Can you risk being seen for even the ugliest thing about you? When we all have ugly bits, right? And can you risk being seen? Can you stand to look at it? Can you look at the ugliest part or parts of you and still say, sincerely, I deserve to be loved? I think that's shame work. That's why I asked you. 
Um, yeah, it's heavy stuff. It's not all. <laughs> it's not all purple dildos and orgasms over here. Like it is sometimes. It. <laughs> it, is, it totally is sometimes, you know. But sometimes, sometimes we got to do the ugly stuff. I actually, I want to touch on um, orgasms. Let's do it too. I mean, like the the vulnerability that comes up with orgasms, mm-hmm. how you sound. Um, I'm gonna. I mean, I'll say it. Yeah. Squirting, like crying, mm-hmm. all the things that come up with it. Um, and then ones that can't orgasm too, mm-hmm. like, oh, my G spot is, um, broken mm-hmm. or I, I can't seem to have, you know, have it at all. So I would love just like, I guess insights with orgasms with that. Mm-hmm. When women or men can't actually, they can't kind climax. Yeah, I will name that orgasms are one moment of pleasure, right? If sex is about pleasure, orgasms are like a particular kind of like nervous system peak. Mm. Um, Not everyone reaches that peak in the same way. And some people peak and it doesn't feel like a lot. <laughs> right you know people are like you know like there are some folks who like you know they're like i think i had one you know and they're kind of like is that is this whatever so this is what everyone's talking talking about oh, like, okay <laughs> right it. and so I, okay exactly and so i just i just want to name because we get so wrapped up in like the orgasm chase the comparison for sure Right, that it can be fuel for shame and shame is the least sexy of our experiences. It can manifest stress and that's the second least sexy of our experiences, right? And it kills your curiosity. And so now we're not even having fun, right? So orgasm is one moment of pleasure. For a person with a vulva, your orgasm on average is going to last between 13 and 51 seconds. For a person with the penis, you're looking at somewhere between like three and like 18 seconds for the average orgasm. So like it's a it's not much ado about nothing, but like honestly, you've had pop tarts that took longer. So (laughs) right, like it's it's a it's a it's there's so much commotion. Yeah. Yeah. About less than a minute. Right. And so I just want to invite us to return to pleasure. Does this feel good? Right. Does, does this feel good? And so when folks are saying like, I can't orgasm, my next question is, does sex feel good? What do you do that feels good? And a lot of people are like, actually, I love sex. Sex feels great. I love everything that we do. I just can't orgasm. And so then I invite them not to shift them out of their own desires or Mm. goals, but I invite curiosity, like, tell me what, tell me about your goal for orgasm. Like, tell me about why that, that is a crisis for you. If sex is great and you feel connected to your partner you feel good about your body, right? Like, tell me about the the desire for orgasm, right? Because we're going to, we're, I'm, I'm willing to work with you. I'm wanting to work with you on whatever it is you want to work on. And we might spend months, right? We could spend years even. I don't know what your journey will be for 13 and a half seconds. I'm just curious about that, right? And a lot of folks, you know, in that exploration, and I don't do it from a point of like judgment or shame, like I genuinely am curious, you know, about folks' experiences. And mostly it's because they've been shamed 
about not having an orgasm because you know sexual beings are supposed to orgasm and orgasm is the point of sex and that's supposed to be what you want but when I invite people to be really truthful about what it is that they want it's not the orgasm because sex is about feelings right that's why I tell people you know everyone wants to learn how to fuck right let me remind you how to feel yeah because you literally only care about things based on how they feel for you Right, the absence of feeling is apathy. When someone says, I don't care, it means I do not have an emotional experience of that. Right, there's no emotional salience to that. Sometimes people say, I don't care, but they're really saying, like, I'm annoyed with you, like, stop talking to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, but when, we, right, when, we, when, when you genuinely do not care about something, it's because it has no emotional significance to you. And so the question actually is, how do you want sex to feel? right? Like, what do you want to feel during sex? And I invite people as much as possible to use emotion words or even relational dynamic words. So emotion words might be, I want to feel excited. I want to feel surprised. I want to feel calm. I want to feel, I don't know, sad, scared, right? People can want all sorts of feelings. Mm -hmm. A relational feeling might be, I want to feel powerful. I want to feel submissive. I want to feel naughty. I want to feel humiliated, right? But like, what do you want? What do you want sex to feel like? And there's no wrong answer. And then let's create a sex life that allows you to feel that. And the moments that you experience alignment between what I want to feel and what I'm feeling right now, that's your orgasm. Hmm. It doesn't have to necessarily be the whole experience. It's, I mean, of course, sure. That's uh, sure. Yeah. I like like an orgasm. Orgasms are cool. Yeah. And (laughs) right. And right. Making it such that they are not the only part of your sexual experience because if you were to ask anyone, and you can think of this for yourself, right? Like, I'm, I'm sure this will also be true for you, Dylan. Like, the best, your best sexual experience was not about the orgasm you had. Right. I can say that very confidently without having asked you. Right? Like, sure, maybe you also had an awesome orgasm. I did. Right. But, but like but, that, yeah, the, right, but that was like, that was, that was frosting. Yeah. <laughs> Right, there was something else about the experience that made it awesome that might have culminated in an orgasm, or maybe you just happened to have an orgasm or many orgasms as part of that experience, but it wasn't punctuated right by the orgasm. The story isn't like, oh, I had a great, you know, this was my best sexual experience because that orgasm just magically happened. Right, that the thing that made that orgasm or or that experience great was about how you felt, how it made you feel. Right, there was something in that experience that felt like some level of alignment. The whole, yeah, ever. I mean, that, that was the just the little bit at the end, of course. And then it's like the buildup, but it was at, yeah. at the whole experience was the orgasm, yeah. like the whole. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And so I help people create more of that orgasm or not, because sometimes people's best experience didn't even have an orgasm. Some people's best experience wasn't about sex as we might, you know, sort of air quotes traditionally um, think about sex. Everyone's like very fascinated by like penetration and like that's sex, right? And then so everything, you know, and then everything else, like any other general contact is foreplay and then everything else is non-sexual, right? Sex is sensory pleasure. 
right? So sometimes people's best sexual experience, the best part was the flirtation before we even started touching each other. Yes. Some people's best sexual experience was about contact with a non-genital related part of the body, right? Like deep kissing or, you know, a, a particular kind of touch. Right. Sometimes people's best experience had nothing to do with like closed off contact, but about being tied up and suspended in a particular way or a particular level of impact on a spanking or mm. sensation of teeth on your flesh. Right. There's so much room for pleasure. And so I would love for us to make room for that. And so that's, that's my work with people, right? It's connecting us back to feeling. Feeling. Mm, God, that was. <laughs> it, it's good stuff, right? It's really good. It's really, imagine really good. Imagine how that feels. God. Yeah, like, right? We're, we're just talking about it, right? Like doing, actually being in the work, right? It's. Good work. Good work. There's so much I want to, I want to, you know, <laughs> keep diving into, but I was, I really, really want to do like, do that. And then I have some fun little questions that I want to ask you here before yeah. you, because I honor your time so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, your favorite song to jam out to. Ooh, <laughs> I love the ooh already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mood driven. Me too. <laughs> um, so my cop out answer is going to be Frank Ocean. Like I know you asked me song, oh. <laughs> but I'm just going to say blanket statement, Frank Ocean, because there is not a feeling that I could have that Frank Ocean's discography or catalog cannot speak to. Frank Ocean. Yeah, he has songs for feelings I haven't even had yet. Shit! Yes. <laughs> like, yes. I don't actually know what that feels like, <laughs> but like, oh, thank you for God. letting me bear witness. I have compassion for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing to do? Ooh, okay. <laughs> All of these feel like like the most important question on the planet. Um. I'm taking all of them so seriously. <laughs> um, my my favorite thing, it's, a, it's as if I'm like, oh shit, like if I say this and I'm bound to it forever. Um, my favorite thing to do is nothing. Mm. My favorite thing to do is to do nothing. I don't do it often enough, but it is the most rewarding and healing and freeing experience. I am a person who somehow always ends up busy because I have a noisy brain. And so I'm always just sort of doing things. Um, and so not doing anything in particular is my favorite thing to do. And sometimes that looks like, like the image that I have, the best representation that I have of doing nothing is like, like linen or cotton laying on the floor in a pool of sunlight just like sparkling water like an arm's reach away sushi order en route just laying on uh. 1920s hardwood 
in the sun like a luxurious feline with nothing else to do i think you need this oh yeah no it's like part of it's like it's a ritual it's part of my practice i can describe it in detail yeah it's like i need that right now i'm gonna get off and do that you're you're welcome to (laughs) i have like three more movie what is your favorite relationship movie that has like made you feel the most and you're like oh god oh i don't love relationship movies um Mm -hmm. the yeah the context of my work makes it such that like i do like relationships for work so like you know most surgeons don't leave work and then like surgery for fun uh and so (laughs) (laughs) my 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 tolerance you know for you know more relationship stuff is very low but actually my favorite movies are probably a tie between the emperor's new groove and pan's labyrinth so that's like that's like the spread of my personality like (laughs) like cheesy pixar cartoon to like layers of like vision and healing and trauma and fantasy dystopian fiction creative explosion oh. all right there's okay which one one? Last, <laughs> last day on earth what do you want to do hmm. that'd be a good day but i don't know if i can plan it in advance i think i would want to live in alignment with whatever it is that I'm feeling. And I hope that I would make time to practice gratitude. And I don't know who would be in my life or in my world at that time, but I hope that there would be an opportunity for me to to celebrate Mm. with them, just the experience of being with them, having been with them, you know, you know, celebrate the experience of still being alive and being with other people in that celebration and so I I have no idea what I would want that day you know to look like in terms of activities I'm most likely going to want sushi um and like an orgasm if there's if there's the mood you know like if it's like you know hailstorming comets I don't know if I'm going to be able to focus (laughs) Uh, you know like if like shit's on fire and there's like people screaming outside like I'm that's probably not going to be in alignment with like (laughs) the environment that I like you know for my own sort of journey like if that's your jam like yeah go you know go for it that's not judgment I'm just saying like you know the way I'm set up that shit would be really distracting for me and be really hard for me to stay present um (laughs) actually the whole thing right (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) but but yeah I, I I would I would love for there to be room for gratitude um, and celebration and connection. What do you want to be remembered done, as? The day is done. Um, I would like to be remembered as a person who cared deeply. I, I want to be remembered as a person who tried to be good to people and who cared deeply. Um, I think I spent a, a long time um, sort of aspiring to be sort of like aloof and like impenetrable and I was actually pretty good I was actually very good at it Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, I got, I got very good, you know, at being right. I got very good at being like hard and um, inaccessible. Uh, And, and I don't, I don't aspire to that. I want to be known as a person who really tried to be good to people, a person who tried to see people and treat them well. I, I want to be known as a person who cared deeply. Mm. you're doing it thank you thank you thank you where do where, where do, do you want to be remembered before we close i know that from you mm. for people to feel that they can do anything that they mm. can evolve and break through anything that they can walk through their fears that they can be vulnerable that they can be truly seen for me to plant a mirror for them to see their self to love yeah Mm, that's beautiful thanks mm, gosh where do they find you <laughs> yeah uh so the best place to find me is on my website shootingfrancis.com um it is the sort of hub for all of the other ways that you may or may not want to connect with me Mm. um so i have an instagram and i'm i tend to share kind of what is upcoming on that space um the website also links you to my newsletter that i kind of use as like a open uh, an open journal um so i share like my real thoughts and my real feelings and i go through this practice of like you know active vulnerability in this hard world and i also share with you like what i'm reading what i'm writing um upcoming things things that you might like to you know see or hear or know about um if folks want to contact me directly that's that's also the channel to do it right i I do treat folks on my newsletter like pen pals so Mm. we write back and forth to one another so if you want to you know connect with me or see what i'm doing or what i'm up to start with the website and then see what what tickles your fancy from there I wish I could hug you. Oh my God. <laughs> it's a virtual hug. I feel mm, God I'm sending one back. Thank you so much. You are Thank so you. welcome. You guys wishing you guys um, so much love into your week. However, that needs to show up and always, always just deeply taking care of yourself and your own needs and your heart. I also want to mention a few things that are going on. I want to mention my class, my class in the Soul Diver community that I have going on. It's been incredible to create this platform for you guys, but if you guys feel called to work with me solo, you can get in contact with me through my website. I have a couple openings right now. They do fill up. They do fill up. It's such an, an honor to guide to guide you guys through your own awakening experience or also if you feel called to coming to my class i do all different types of themes there's different lengths of time in there you can also create your own theme on whatever you're going through it's a really really powerful experience we have themes from going from empowerment to being seen to stepping into your power to a cup of love letting go whatever you know is speak speaking to you there's so many themes that i do so keep an eye out for that 
And I also created um, a Facebook private soul diver page. So I will leave that in the show notes. I would love for you guys to come be a part of the soul diving group. There's going to be all these different things that I'm going to be offering. I just want to connect with you guys more, see you, hear you, and just be present with you. And you can find all this through the show notes. You can reach out through me, through my website, or on my Instagram, Dylan, it's your time. It's about you guys. I'm here to help and just guide you guys to bring you bring your, bring you closer to yourselves. And if it speaks to you, it means so much. If you guys had just a couple minutes to go over to Apple and leave a little review. I know you guys are listening and it would just mean the world to just leave a little review on what you're enjoying and what, what, what motions are coming up in you just being so real like oh you know this is what's coming up for me and sharing that all the emotions are absolutely welcomed here you guys are so deeply deeply seen heard and valued I support you guys so much so thank you guys so much and I, I look forward to meeting you and connecting with you 